Good afternoon, everyone. <clears throat> so this afternoon, uh, we'd like to offer you a, <clears throat> excuse me, another concentration practice. Uh, we've been uh, cultivating and developing this returning again to the sensations in the body, and um, last night and today working with uh, uh, returning the attention to the breath or <clears throat> sound uh, or your body posture, if that's your, your primary anchor or returning place, a place where you connect with uh, a sense of stability. Uh, concentration is that cultivation, as we spoke of last night, and cultivating stability of mind, stability of mind and heart. So this afternoon, I'd like to offer another concentration practice uh, that also cultivates stability of mind and heart. <clears throat> and that's the loving-kindness practice. Many of you may be familiar with it. And the, the Pali word is called metta. No. Metta meaning, uh, one English translation is uh, unconditional love or unconditional goodwill. So I'm just going to speak a little bit about the context of this practice and then we'll have an opportunity to practice with it. And whether it's brand new to you or, or familiar, uh, as we know, every moment is anew. So you can just, just work with it fresh, uh, even if you're quite familiar with this practice. <clears throat> so the Buddha talked about uh, what, what were called the, the four Brahma-viharas. Uh, vihara means home. Brahma, divine, the four divine homes. The, the, we could say the dwelling you know, of uh, perfection in the mind and heart. Uh, these, uh, these four Brahma-viharas uh, translated into English are, as first, as I said, goodwill and loving-kindness, which we'll be working with today. The second is compassion. The third is what's called empathetic joy, kind of a, a funny uh, languaging translation, but it really means delighting in um, the happiness of another being. <clears throat> empathetic joy. And the fourth is equanimity, that capacity of heart to, to truly, heart and mind to truly be with what is, without preference, with an equanimous heart that is infused with uh, all of the other qualities, qualities of loving-kindness, compassion, <clears throat> and empathetic joy. So who knows, your mind might already be ticking, like, uh, not sure I can do that, or, yeah, bring it on. Uh, it's a practice. It's a practice, and it's, it's truly a practice. Uh, sometimes, it's also called a purification practice. And I remember when I first uh, learned this, my, my first teacher in this uh, practice was Sharon Salzberg. And um, I remember her saying, when she was talking about it's a purification practice, she used the analogy of polishing silver. Now, this may be like completely foreign to some of you, but I grew up polishing my grandmother's silver. And it, it was such an accessible image because you get this kind of like tarnished-looking teapot or plate and, and you have the cloth and and the gooey stuff to, to polish it with and you know the more you polish the 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 teapot gets to its natural state its natural silver state and the 
the residue that collected on it is now on the cloth. And so that metaphor is that we're, we're in some ways we're polishing our hearts or we're inviting our hearts to, to expand into their full potential. So with metta, the full potential of expression is this unconditional love or unbiased or unspecific, meaning it's, it's a boundless heart. It's a heart that can extend in all directions to all beings, and we could add certainly to, to the planet that we live on. And each one of these qualities of heart also has what's called a near enemy and a far enemy. So curious, what would the near enemy be of this unconditional, boundless heart? Well, if we think in terms of opposites, if it's unconditional, then the near enemy is going to veer towards the conditional. So again, the translation is the near near enemy is attachment or, uh, or clinging. Attachment is a tricky word, I think, a tricky word in translation, because if, if you're engaged in Western psychology in any way, um, attachment is actually a very positive word, and it really describes our human relationships. So let's bear in mind that these translations need their own refinement. So it's certainly, in, in any way, when you hear this near enemy of attachment, it doesn't, it's not suggesting that there's something wrong with our specific interpersonal relationships by any stretch. You know, this is what gets us through life uh, in so many ways. Uh, at the same time, when we look at, well, what, is, what does this near enemy mean, this attached love or, or that kind of um, the love that's wanting something? So if any of you, like we all in this room, have some kinds of relationships in our lives, whether they're with our children or spouses or partners or parents or relatives or friends or, uh, or our beloved animals, we, we have relationships. We certainly have a relationship with ourselves. Uh, and so if we look into this, this attached love, we might, we might uh, interpret it as it's, it's a love that's conditional. It wants something back. It's like, I'll love you if you behave this way. Anyone familiar with this? I mean, even if that thought isn't in your mind, we can really act from that place, you know? And notice how the loving stops when someone behaves not in the way that uh, we want them to. And our heart just closes up. So again, this practice isn't designed to, like, shame ourselves, like, oh, boy, I don't really have an open heart. It's really to be more curious and investigate how the this conditioned kind of love um, is exactly that. It, it has conditions. It's not boundless. Uh, and also, if, if it's running through your mind, well, wait a minute, boundless love, no boundaries, that doesn't sound too good to me. I, I don't think the Buddha meant that. We put ourselves in dangerous situations, you know, and, and not respond skillfully to care for ourselves or others. I don't... I don't I'm quite sure that's not what unconditional love means. I mean, if we think of, you know, um, Dr. Martin Luther King used the word, you know, an aggressive nonviolence. You know, it's, it's this, uh, or, you know, King often quoted the Buddha by saying, hatred, you know, will not cease from hatred alone. 
It is by love alone that hatred will cease. So that's a, it's a koan in a way, isn't it? It's, uh, uh, Elisa spoke to it today in, in their question about taking action, you know, and can we act from a place of open-heartedness and still really express uh, what we feel committed to in terms of our values or, uh, or even, you know, right and wrong. You know, can we actually act from that place with an open heart? You know, I think of so many examples in some of our world you know, leaders. I think of the Dalai Lama. He often refers to the Chinese as, you know, my friends, the enemy, or the enemy, my friends. You know, just recognizing that, uh, not condoning the harm done to the Tibetan people by any stretch, but also allowing that heart to be open to humanity and the capacity in humanity that can get lost through aversion, through greed, through hatred, you know, and the actions that come from that. So we could also say that, uh, that the far enemy, each one of these qualities has a near enemy and far enemy. So with goodwill, loving kindness, the near enemy is this um, conditional love. Uh, expecting a certain response for our offering of love. The fire enemy is, we could say, is ill will, or sometimes it's just interpreted as hatred. You know, where you can see how that would be the fire enemy. It seems more the opposite, where we can get caught, you know, really in, in deep states. We probably all know this, you know, of hatred or ill will towards, not, not uncommon, towards ourselves, Know, or to others. So again, think of uh, Sharon's example of a purification. This is a purification practice. So when you practice it, sometimes people will say, and I'm, please don't let this be a prediction of what's going to happen for you. You don't know if you've never practiced it before, or even if you have. Each time, we're open to what arises. And sometimes what can happen is just, you can just feel a whole mind, heart just kind of shut down, like, nope. Remember I was talking about the walking practice? Nope, metta, forget it, not for me, don't like it. You know, so, okay, so you can be with that. You know, and maybe just find a back, back door that you might slightly open. The beauty of this practice is that you can be creative. With, you'll hear some instructions, you can be creative with it. So you're not forcing this quality of open-heartedness. Someone asked about pushing earlier this morning. But you're actually maybe leaning in or opening to that, that capacity that actually already does exist in, in each one of us. In humanity, it exists. You know, I was just listening to someone give research and statistics about, you know, I don't remember what the statistic was, but it was, it was high on our capacity for this, this. They weren't a Buddhist. They were just talking about care and kindness that actually in our humanity we have a huge capacity for that. So we're cultivating that as we practice this. Um, And the obscurations or, uh, uh, you know, as as something purifies, that that, um, residue on the cloth may show up, like we'll butt up against resistance sometimes in the practice. Resistance meaning, no, I, I can't go there. I can't open my heart fully to myself. Or I can't open my heart fully to this other person. And even if you start with, wow, you'll, you'll hear these categories that are offered. 
and the categories will, uh, we always start with an easy person, uh, just because it's, uh, it's easier to practice for someone who we don't have conflict with. But oftentimes when you start with that practice, you realize, oh, there's a little edge there, though. There's a little, there's a little, what about this? And then you can feel the resistance in the heart. And then what, you know, what I've often found in, for myself in that is just to turn the loving kindness right towards that um, no thank you, or that I know I talked about not using the word resistance, so that, that, that not wanting. You know, we can turn the, the kindness and care to that place where the heart might be closed without judging it or analyzing it. You know, we can really get caught in our minds, big analysis, and it's exhausting, actually. This is not an exhausting practice. Um, it, it may feel that way to you, but generally what you'll find from it is that it is, over time, it's, it's uplifting. It lifts the heart, opens the heart. It opens us to our true nature of this boundless heart. Hmm. Yeah, so the other thing I want to say about loving-kindness practice is <clears throat> this is what it's not. It's not, may you be free from your excessive drinking. <laughs> Can you notice the attachment in that? <laughs> you know, and even if it comes from, wow, I, I'm so suffering in relationship to this beloved other's, you know, um, uh, excessive use of a substance. It, it's, we, you know, who would argue in this room that that's heartbreaking? Um, but when, we, when we, we're not directing the show here, you know, you might, you might find the phrase, may you be free from suffering, may you be free from pain, more, mm, have more space and fluidity, because how do we know what that freedom is going to be, Really? And we can even notice in the, in the repeating the phrase to ourselves, none of this is out loud as a chant or anything. We're, we chant at night, that loving kindness, but this will be an internal practice. We can even feel when that attachment creeps in. Like, may you be happy, and then the little addendum. If you would just da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, and you'll see it. You'll see it show up. And it's like, okay, there it is. Oh, can I just stretch a little more? Like, if this person never changed, could I still, in my heart, you know, wish for them well-being? So it's not, people often ask, you know, so is this a, uh, you know, is this a practice where you're, you're, you know, you're, you're offering something to, what's the power of it? Do you get results? You know, like if you, you know, if you send loving kindness, if you offer loving kindness, every single day to one person. Does that affect them? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe we can be open, but if we start thinking that's what it does, and then you're kind of looking to see if it happened in the way you think it should happen, you're going to be grossly disappointed. And the intention isn't really actually about anyone changing, but it's really about the purification of our own hearts. So, you know, is it possible, how is it possible for someone like the Dalai Lama or, you know, many other Tibetans, not just the Dalai Lama, that can feel this kind of open-heartedness in, you know, for, uh, for a group of people who 
who've harmed his own people. I remember I sat retreats with Thich Nhat Hanh early in the, I don't know, it was like maybe the 80s, and he was doing a lot of retreats then for American Vietnam vets. And um, somebody, I can't remember, I, somebody asked the question, like, well, how, how can you do this practice with Vietnam vets? You know, they, they killed your people. And his response, very simply, he said, my people killed Americans. My people killed Americans. It's like, wow. Like, that's an open-hearted, equanimous heart. You know, and his aspiration, really, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> was to help heal the incredible suffering, deep remorse that many, many Americans felt in relationship to that war. It's a beautiful, generous, and wise offering. So with that, if we can let go of our results and just really make space for our own hearts gently, with ease, you want to be in a comfortable position. So you can find that right now. So the, the, the way I was taught this practice is, is um, how I'm going to offer it, and that's with phrases. So I'm going to say that with a, with a caveat. Remember at the beginning I said this is a concentration practice. So the, what really helps build a concentration and calm is that one-pointedness. So that, you know, the, retra- the, the phrases are something to return the attention to. So some of us, our, our doorway is through words, language. Some of us, it's images. It's not words. Some of us, it's a felt sense, a felt sense in the body or emotional sense. So you'll, you'll, the, the beauty of this practice, you can feel for yourself, and I'll offer different suggestions. Like what doorway is most accessible and easeful for you? So maybe it might be, let me just give you one example, where you put your hand over your heart. You're literally feeling... You know, you're feeling your what we would call your heart center. You're breathing and breathe into that space. You could try it now if you want. So as you're feeling that warmth, perhaps you're just feeling the contact or the warmth of your hand. And this may or may not work for you. For some people, you can actually feel through the hand just a sense of tenderness, a sense of care. Well, you may be feeling into that. It's like, nope, not working for me. It's okay. Don't worry. Nothing to force. Just feeling into that sense of care and tenderness. That might be where you bring your primary attention when the different categories of human beings are, are offered in the, in the formal instruction. You might go to that felt sense, that bodily, heartfelt sense. That's fine. You, know, you might really resonate with the words, or you may have your own words. Just as I said, be, you know, be advised to not have phrases that have 
goals to them other than uh, the simplicity of, of wishing another well. You might have images that arise. And, and that might be very helpful to keep that image in, in your mind's eye of someone you're offering these phrases to. So you can just explore it for yourself. So I'm going to start with, uh, uh, we'll just start with settling into our bodies and our breath, and then I'll offer you these phrases, and you can uh, explore it for yourself. Maybe just take a couple of nice deep breaths for yourself. Letting yourself settling into just the experience in your body of sitting, adjusting your posture if you need to so you can feel comfortable. Resting your attention in the breath or the posture itself, sitting. And just notice whatever thoughts are coming, evaluations or whatever is coming, just seeing if you can watch it come and go. The thoughts come and go. Don't need to wrestle with them or get over identified with them. And just as you relax into this, whatever natural openness there is in your experience right now, whatever that is, let that be enough. If you can, just let that be enough. So it's like no stress here. Just, whoa, it's just how it is. And maybe even appreciating the receptivity that is there whatever it is, full door open, little slit, either way, just appreciating it. So in your own time, calling to mind a person that you might describe as an easy person for you. So what do, what do we mean by that? And an easy person might be someone who, uh, the, the traditional term for this is benefactor. Uh, I, know, I know there's lots of different meanings of that, but the, the, the spirit of the, the word really is like someone who you feel benefited by. Um, it might be, uh, it could be... Um, an elder in your family, you know, it could be maybe a teacher you've had or 
or for some people it might be their therapist, um, or um, could be a dear friend, could be, you know, your dog. Talk about unconditional love. They seem to have a corner on that one. Canines. If you can't come up with anybody, make somebody up, you know, or uh, maybe there's a teacher or a leader that you've never met that you, you feel their care, you've listened to their talks, or maybe for you, when you look at the Buddha statue, it, um, it inspires you, or you look at the statue of Kuan Yin, you feel some sense of that, um, that image representing being held and cared for. So use, use your imagination, just letting a being come to mind. And perhaps just taking a moment to feel how you feel held by that being. Almost uh, in the sense of that they have your back. And I often... Uh, when someone gives that instruction to me, my, I go right to my grandmother, who's, who's not on this um, physical plane anymore, but just someone who, for me, was very easy to feel unequiv- unequivocally loved by. Maybe just take a few moments to feel in. And again, if a person isn't coming and that's agitating you, just... Think about a being that you may not even know, but that really expresses this sense of compassion or love. Just letting yourself feel, feel that on the receptive end. And maybe now you, you, in your mind's eye, you might imagine being with that being face-to-face, or perhaps they're at a distance from you, but you can see them. If that works for you, if the image doesn't, just the sense of them. Just connecting kindly and clearly with your heart's feeling for them is the sense of care. This is a being that you wish well. Just just like you, this if this being is living, they go through the 10,000 joys and sorrows. They're subject to impermanence, change, illness, aging, sickness, death, the vulnerability of being human. So as you can feel in your heart, I'll just offer some 
simple phrases. You could see if they resonate for you. And the, and the instruction would just be to go in your own cadence with the phrases. So I'll say them a few times, to really go in your own rhythm. And as I said, if you need to adjust it, that's fine. So as you imagine them or feel them, it's a simple wish. May you be happy. Connecting with that wish as opposed to whether or not they are happy or not. It's connecting with that wish. May you be happy. May you be well. May you be well. May you be physically well. Again, they may not be. They may be dealing with an illness, but that wish for their well-being, their health, strength in their bodies. May you be well. May you be safe and protected from harm. May you be safe and protected from harm. If you feel sleepy, I know it's after lunch. You can you can just gently let your eyes open and look, you know, downward in front of you. It may it may just help. Or if you feel like you want to stand while you're doing this practice, that's fine. May you live with ease. Whatever image comes to you or that sense from your heart for this other being, may you live with ease. You know, and if you've if you've just shifted your posture to standing, just take your time to feel into that standing and Settle your body so you take all the time you need to feel rooted, breathing easily, nothing to rush here, taking all your time. And then we just go back through the cycle of phrases. May you be happy. May you be healthy and well.
May you be safe and protected from harm. May you live with ease. As you continue with these phrases, and I'll say them again, if you notice that your mind just goes somewhere else, or you're like, whoa, how much time went by, I'm not even with this, just Truly, just do not worry about that. Just come back. Just like when you're doing the breath meditation or the body meditation, just come back to this uh, point of focus. There's nothing lost. It actually strengthens mindfulness when we notice. It just arises on its own. The noticing mind is lost. No need to judge it. And just come back. Begin again. This is a strengthening factor of mindfulness. The more it happens for you, the more it you come back, the more the mindfulness strengthens. So there's nothing to worry about there. If you're also finding that it feels very overwhelming and there's a forced quality, just back up a little bit. Just back up. You can even just go back and rest in the breath. Or just feel your hand on your heart without phrases or images. Just listen to what's uh, organically calling you. May I may you be happy. May you be healthy and well. May you be safe and protected from harm. May you live with ease. Happy, well, safe and protected, ease. Just in your own time, just allowing that rhythm, finding your own rhythm with this. It doesn't have to match what I've just offered. It might be slower, it might be faster. 
continuing with the phrases or the image or both. You need to change posture, allowing yourself to do that. Just taking some time with this now. This wishing of well-being, this goodwill of the heart.
If you find yourself struggling or uh, it feels too forceful, maybe another easy person comes along, shows up, and offer it to that person. Or maybe you can offer some wishing well to your own being. May you be at ease right here, right now. Maybe that changes to a just a little short phrase like, it's okay, honey. I'm right here. I'm right here for you. So say that to yourself. Right here. It's okay. If your mind's like, you got to be kidding me. I, I can't imagine saying that to myself. Well, that's okay, too. So maybe it's just, I'm here. I'm here. If you feel some inclination to continue or shift to offering some phrases, some of these phrases or these four phrases for yourself, please do. You just try it out, see how it is. Sometimes for some people, uh, they may call up an image of themselves as a small child. You know, if that feels uh, workable for you or safe enough, if it feels overwhelming, eh, maybe not go there. If it feels like, oh, that's accessible, you could offer it to yourself that way. Or if you do have a beloved animal, you could have them be the one offering you the phrases of well-being through their, their energy of loving kindness and trust.
May we be happy. May we be well. May our beings be safe and protected from harm. May we live with ease. moment's time you'll you hear the bell I wonder what it might be like to that as we drop a formal meditation that we can actually just rest in the the energetic field that's been generated here in this room so it's not like that's done what's next, but actually really widening into this field of well-being, this field of goodwill, resting in it, letting our beings receive it as much as we offer it. When we hear the sound of the bell, I would just like to invite, in your own natural way, for each of us to just come to a standing position. Taking your time with that. So what's it like to just let your body settle in into this support of earth underneath us? 
and the space of sky and air around us. And the movement of breath or the beating of the heart. And if we were all to wish well-being to each other, or just if some of us were wishing that to the room, we'll all be receiving that wish of well-being and loving-kindness. So just letting yourself feel that. That worthiness. can touch it for just a half a second. That's pretty huge. And as you open your eyes, I just want to offer you a, uh, just one Qigong uh, movement that um, just feels right in the moment. And if you'd like to join me in it, you can, and if not, that's fine. So I'm going to put the mic down. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.